Welcome back to the Ancient Health Podcast, where we educate you on real health solutions that will help transform the way you live, feel, and overcome disease naturally. I'm your host, Courtney Versage, along with Dr. Josh Axe and Dr. Chris Motley. We're so happy you've joined us. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, friends. Dr. Motley here with the Ancient Health Podcast. And today, we're going to talk about parasites and your children. Parasites are often a queasy subject. It's often thought that in the United States or in first world countries that parasites are not an issue. In fact, that can be further from the truth. I work with patients every single week that have parasitic infections. And so if you have a child that has certain conditions, certain symptoms that can't be explained, we want to give you every avenue, every thought of what you could look for to give you an explanation of why there may be chronic sickness in your child. Again, parasites are often overlooked. In fact, they're never searched for. So we want to go through some of the common signs and symptoms. We want to go through some of the sources or the ways you can get parasites and some of the types of parasites. And then we want to talk about the herbs and supplements that could help you detoxify your child in a gentle, safe way. And then what are some of the testing procedures if you want to go further to find out if there is evidence of parasitic infections within the body? So let's start. I want you also to know that this could apply to you or to your loved ones. So parasites in themselves are small microbes, and there's different forms of parasites. Most individuals think they're worms or roundworms or tapeworms or pinworms, and that is true. But many of the parasitic infections that I see within patients are often in the protozoa realm. Protozoa realm is, they look like small little round globs, basically. There's also liver flukes, which is very common through food sources. Protozoa parasites, worms, create symptomatology. And I write these down because I want to make sure I go through all of them for you. Let's start from head to toe. You can have eye floaters. Now, parasites can create dysfunction within the liver, like liver flukes, protozoa such as leishmania or trypanosoma, even malaria, babesia. These are parasites that are so small and they can get into the body and your body tries to filter them out through the liver and the kidneys. Now, the liver is connected to the eyes, so you can have eyes that are very, very cloudy. You can have small specks or floaters. Also, you could have swelling around the eyes. Now, if you have swelling underneath the eyebrow, that's usually identified with the gallbladder. If you have swelling underneath the eye, it can be kidney or liver or even stomach. So it's upper digestion or kidneys right underneath the eye. So if you see or hear that your child tells you that they have very bad vision or fuzzy vision or these areas around their eyes, then you could suspect the liver, the stomach, the kidney, or even the gallbladder. That's where a lot of parasitic infections like to stay. Why? Because the food sources that you ingest are in the upper digestion. So if you eat the food, it goes down the esophagus, The parasites, whether they're in a larvae form or an adult form, know that food's coming down the pipe. They stick around. If they hang out in the gallbladder or in the stomach, they have their meal. 
but it congests the acupuncture system so you'll see the evidence on your child's face. The next place it could be are the sinuses. The sinuses, remember, you have some above your eyes, on the side beside your eyes, right below, and the cheeks, and you also have certain sinuses within the brain. Now, the sinuses, remember, also have a tube that connect to the ears called the eustachian tubes. Can protozoa parasites get into these areas? Yes. If you ingest certain forms of parasites through your food, which we're going to go through in just a few minutes, they can get trapped within the teeth or the gums, and they can travel their way through the bloodstream or through the lymph nodes up into the sinuses. As they cultivate and grow, if they're not eliminated properly, then the areas within your sinuses or ears start to clog. So you'll start to have a clogging mechanism. You'll always have chronic sinusitis or clogged ears or, an, or the constant seasonal allergy could be a problem. In fact, I've seen reports, and please don't let this make you feel sick, but I've seen reports of individuals that have had parasites, worms, literally pulled out of their sinus cavities. It's the truth. It's just because a microbe tries to do what? It tries to survive. So that's the sinuses. We, if you have chronic sinuses that you can't get an explanation within your child of no strep, no staph, no viral infections, the swabs are all coming back clear, this could be a possibility. The next are the teeth, the gums. If your child comes to you and they have swollen gums, or they have bleeding gums. The gums in Chinese medicine are often associated, are always associated with the stomach. The stomach, if you have very much high inflammation from having parasitic infection, could result in thick, swollen gums, or often bleeding gums or receding. If your child has gum issues, or they're getting constant cavities, then there could be infections within the stomach. And furthermore, the teeth, if you have teeth that have been uh, yellowed or even gray, and they actually have, often have cracks or cavities, this is a sign in Chinese medicine of the kidneys. So the kidneys are always associated with the teeth. The stronger the kidneys, the more pearly the white teeth are. The weaker the kidneys, the mineralization of the teeth are hindered because the kidneys help with bone mineralization. So you get to have maybe a perceived infection within the gums or even within the kidneys. So watch the teeth and the gums. This will tell you right off the bat what organ to go to. Heal the stomach or look at the kidneys. Look at UTIs. Look at urination within your child. Look how many times they have to go urinate or how many times they have to get up in the middle of the night or if they do bed wetting. Let's go on down. Let's hit the throat. If the child has chronic throat congestion, always clearing their throat, that's an often sign that the kidneys are not filtering out the infections. So the kidneys are always related to, <clears throat> they call it the sputum. And I do not like to use a term where they have to hawk something up, but it's the truth. If you always have a child that's always having to clear their throat, I always advise and check the patient's kidney function. Because yes, parasitic infections can get into the kidneys because they're trying to be filtered out. And why do parasites love the kidneys? Because it's a huge source of blood. And where do our nutrients go? Into the bloodstream. So it's a free meal. Now, those are a few. Now, the throat can be congested and oftentimes lead to thyroid conditions. Yes, your child could have thyroid conditions. 
whether it's low thyroid hormone output, or if you start to see unusual weight gain. Now, that's where the toxicities of parasitic infections not only could be in the kidneys, but if they have any type of holding within the throat from ingestion of parasites, then the infection toxins could get in the lymph nodes of the throat as well, causing swollen lymph nodes. And then it can make the body more apt to have things like strep or flu viruses attached because of the weakness that it produces. Now, the lungs are the next organ I like to look at. Lungs usually mean that a, a child could have chronic allergies consistently. They can't breathe well. Their oxygen levels are low. Certain forms of protozooparasites are often known to get into the lungs. And so what they do is they rob energy. And we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. So the lungs can cause chronic mucus production as they cough it up. In the face, in Chinese medicine, if a, if a child has chronic redness around the middle of the face, right, or right middle of the cheek, right here, that's associated with the lungs. So if you see that, then you know that there could be a hidden infection within the cheeks. The heart. The heart is associated with the tip of the nose. So if your child comes and they have a reddish nose or a discoloration, I usually associate that with not saying they have a bad heart, but there's an imbalance within the circulation system. Fatigue is one of the biggest things that will hit a child as one of your first signs and symptoms because the heart gets involved. Infections such as parasites can get in the bloodstream. The heart can be attacked with the parasitic infections. And please don't, I don't want this to sound scary, but this is something we have to look into. So the heart can be, I say, attacked or can be imbalanced by the parasites. And so the body goes into fight or flight. The body knows that there is something wrong. And the longer that the infections stay around, it could cause the person or the child to adapt to it. But all the while they're in fight or flight, it can cause the adrenals to start to burn out. And as the adrenals start to burn out, you'll start to notice your child have chronic fatigue throughout the day. So if you have a chronic fatigue syndrome within the child, then you know that the adrenals and the thyroid could be affected. Usually I always connect the adrenals to the kidneys because the adrenals sit right on top of the kidneys. So what I'm asking you to do is when you look at your child, remember on the facial features, you want to look at discoloration, redness, rashes, pimples, and then I combine it with the real common signs and symptoms of parasitic infections, such as chronic fatigue, bloating after the child eats, if the stomach pushes out or if the child's stomach is pushed out continuously. That means inflammation is in the digestive tract. And usually parasites, when they smell a meal coming down the wire, down the pipe, they will move to the food source. So as they move to the food source, this is where they produce toxins. They're just like us. We eat, we consume, we make waste, and then we have to rest and sleep. They have a metabolism just like we do. So as they move, they produce toxins. And as they have movement, then more inflammation occurs and your body deposits more serous fluid and more water and more uh, fluids to help cool down the area. So you'll have this avenue of pushing out or feeling very much water or fluid retention in the stomach of the child because of the movement of the parasites. Another fun fact is that 
when parasites like to camp out within the gallbladder or liver, because that's what they do, they are trying to help the body filter blood, they will sit within the gallbladder. So if you can imagine that the liver is trying to filter out any parasitic infection within your blood, it stays within the gallbladder, the gallbladder is right near the stomach, and the gallbladder is making bile, which is a fluid to help you digest fats. And so at many times, parasites, and even mold as well, are very lipophilic. They love the lipids. In fact, they stick to them. So they'll stick to the fats made in the liver, and they get drained into your gallbladder, and then the gallbladder gets infected. The more infected the gallbladder, the more chance you have gallstones or gallbladder sludge, which means individuals get their gallbladder taken out because dehydration, refined sugars, birth control, antibiotics, medications in themselves, if they're overused, can dehydrate the gallbladder. Now, if it dehydrates the gallbladder, the gallbladder can be a perfect holding source for parasites. Now, this allows the parasites to actually burrow into some of the gallstones or in the sludge. And when you eat a meal, they'll jump into the tube that go to your stomach and eat the food, and then they can transfer back. Parasitic motility within infectious disease doctors' research, and even through different journals that I've researched and read, show that there is heavy movement that contributes to gallbladder infections, overall swelling in the gut because of the way it pushes out and causes inflammation. And so this is really a common sign and symptom. If it follows with that fatigue, then you can add all the other symptoms I just talked about in Chinese medicine just by the facial features. And that's what the beauty of this is. You can look at it and say, okay, now I'm not getting a diagnosis from more of the common testing we're doing, but I'm starting to see these signs in my child. Let's not forget the large intestine. If your child ever has rashes, on the back of the arms or on the sides of the arms, or if they have any type of breakout in the webbing of their thumb, that's large intestine four, the small intestine and the large intestine meridians travel down the arms. And you can get a backup of energy in the meridian system, and this can cause inflammation up the arm and cause bumps to occur because inflammation along these routes called meridians only aggravate other infections in the skin. So you'll start to see bumps on the back of the arms or on the sides, and then you'll start to see maybe pain in the thumbs, or the wrist always hurts with the child, and they start to have constipation and diarrhea. So if you see hard stools and intermittent constipation, that is a very big sign that parasites could be involved. When the stools become hardened, we know the gallbladder is also involved in the liver because it is using fat to coat the fecal matter so it slides easily through the gut. If the stool is dry and hardened and it has a different coloration, then we know the liver and gallbladder is not coating the stool. And then we know, as it passes through the colon, infections from parasites can get into the walls and dumb down the nervous system where it's not contracting properly to push the fecal matter through. So the child could have really hard bowel movements, or they like to call poop. And so they laugh every time they come to the office talking about poop. Um, And so they can have those times where they're doing really well, and then they stop, and then they have bloating, and then they have a little bit of diarrhea, and then they have dry fecal matter, and their bowel movements are so irregular. That is a really big sign that parasites are in the body. 
Furthermore, with constipation and diarrhea, if there is any itchiness in Chinese medicine around the anal area, around the nose, yes, the nose, those are two big signs in Chinese medicine that an individual could be facing parasites. The nose that's an, is associated with Chinese medicine with this, and that's another discussion, but trust me, I've seen it with my patients because you will have areas where they talk to you about like itchiness or rashes around the bottom, the glutes, around the anal area. And so what happens is the infections can actually get around the anal glands. Yes, humans have anal glands. And so there's a lot of blood flow to the muscular areas around the anal gland and around the pelvic area. So there is going to be a mad dash for parasites to ingest as much nutrients as they can. And if they're being trying to be pushed out by the body through fecal matter, they're going to latch on and try to survive. And what is the last exit point? So you'll start to see where individuals have pinworms when they're a kid. And or their children have pinworms and they think, can pinworms last a very long time? And the answer is yes. If a patient has pinworms, the reason that they survive is because they lay eggs and they hatch. So you start to have the larvae trying to reproduce and stay in the host as long as possible. I can tell you a really good story. This is not to make light of anything. I've had uh, patients that, many of them, but one in particular, where she was having all the signs and symptoms I was just talking to you about with parasites. And every test that we had talked about did not show that she had parasites. So she researched a company, and I researched a company called ParasiteTesting.com. And I am busy trying to find even more sources of parasite testing. Um, And I'm going to try to put um, a link in the notes of this podcast to let you know which ones, uh, which labs can actually help you with parasite investigation. So she sent them off, couldn't find them, and she identified this lab. Every doctor said she didn't have them. She came and visited me from out of town. I did my kinesiology and Chinese medicine testing, and from her signs and symptoms, I believe you have parasitic testing. So she finds this lab, sends it off, and yes, sure enough, she had tons of pinworm eggs in her fecal matter, in her poop. And I had found the frequencies of pinworms, and I I thought definitely you have these duodenal-type parasites uh, that could be giving you these issues. So we know in this country that parasite testing may not be up to par. In other countries uh, around the world, um, we know that there could be more extensive parasite testing. One of my patients has a really good doctor friend that is from India, and, they, and the doctor said that in India, their parasite testing looks for certain strands. The problem we have in this country, and I'm not talking about America, I'm talking about the laboratories, is that they may look for only certain types of species of parasites. Now, when in fact, the evidence have shown that most of the parasite sources that we see are coming from our fruits and vegetables and our food sources through livestock through animal proteins, through our water sources, through groundwater, through well water. Now, this is not to make you live in fear, but I want you to know how easily they can come into the body. If they, when they make their way into the body, and you start to see that these common sources start to, make, start to be more prevalent in our culture, like more vegetables, more fruits being inoculated with parasites, 
milk can be a big avenue for parasites. Because cow's milk, if you think about the udders, parasites can make their ways into the actual udder and it can consume the sugars within the, the milk called galactose. And also, when livestock drinks the groundwater, a pond water that has parasites, it can get into the, the animal and get into the tissue. So you start to see that it's easy for us to get them, but our bodies are meant to clean them out efficiently through stomach acid. So I want to touch back on that in just a second. But I want you to know as well that when we start to see these infections take rise within our digestive tract, that they're not only times when you start to see these small signs and symptoms, but you're going to see them get a bit more aggravated at certain times. So I wanted to circle back. We know the sources. I'm going to talk more about the food sources. But if your child has an elevation of signs and symptoms during different lunar phases, if you notice that your child gets a little manic or acts out or has a bad mood during full moons or near full moons or even right after, lunar phases have been shown from the gravitational pull to actually affect the fluid balance within the tissues of the body, the muscles, the lymph nodes, and even the heart and circulation system. If there are parasitic sources or eggs or larvae or adults that are in the tissue hiding to not be seen, the lunar phases can actually open up tissue and pull through gravitational forces and cause a change in fluid balance within the body. So the infections are pulled into the bloodstream or pulled into the lymph nodes because of the pressure, the weight of gravity from the different moon cycles. And so you start to see mania. You start to see them be, get hysterical. They start to get up between 11 p.m. and 3 a.m. because all that stuff that's coming into the bloodstream is going to the liver and gallbladder. And the body's like, wait a minute, I need to rest, but I've got this other infection coming into my body. And so your liver has to kick into gear. And so does your gallbladder. The gallbladder's like, okay, things are being filtered out in the liver. I have to catch this. And so the child can't sleep. Then they have mania. And you start to combine this with other symptoms and you see, oh goodness, they could have parasitic infections. Look at these signs and symptoms. Rewind this podcast and check and see if this is evident in your child or even yourself. So, lunar phases. High pressure storm systems can do it too. EMF fields have been known to not only stimulate viruses and bacteria, but also parasites. So if your child's all the time on EMF producing laptops or phones or iPads, they're not bad in themselves, but it can stimulate the, the tissues to exude some of these infections. So limit the time on EMF. And those are some of the common sources. If you go to different pools or if you go to recreational areas, they can be common sources. You want your child to have fun, and I'm all about that, but I'm going to go through some of these common sources only to give you a heads up, and then we can talk about certain supplements, certain therapies that can help so you don't have to worry about it. So your body can actually take parasites and clean them out. I want to be positive. I know it sounds negative, but you guys who are listening out there can be talking to yourself saying, oh my goodness, I have this. My child has this. Don't live in fear, guys. This is to be positive. It's best to know about identification. That's what this podcast, this is what the Health Institute is all about. So we talked about the sources coming through the food. Parasites love sugars. So you have different sources like trypanosoma, parasite, malaria, babesia, um, leishmania, 
These are different forms that can find their way through your food sources and water. So if you do find that fruits and vegetables contain even worm-like parasites, it's best to wash fruits and vegetables. I may be jumping ahead, but I often have patients that wash their fruits and vegetables with apple cider vinegar and half water. And there's also vegetable cleansers that you can buy at different health food stores, but stores, stores. But you can take the apple cider vinegar and water and soak your vegetables or fruit for at least 25 to 30 minutes. And I know it's a hassle, but I have pictures, many pictures from my patients that have shown small worm-like creatures that have pushed themselves out because they have metabolisms that love sugar. So they can find their way through the food source or the water source. And then when they get into the mouth or oral area, when you eat them, even if parasites get down into your stomach, the hydrochloric acid should be there to help eat up the parasites. And even old bacterial infections or viruses or even fungus, that's what your acid's there to do. But if you have food sources, which are great, fruits and vegetables are great, and animal proteins are great, but if you ingest them and your stomach's damaged from prior parasitic infections or your child is, and you have maybe a child that has a high amount of sugar in their diet, standard American diet in our schools and our daycares are usually heavily sugar-laden, the high amounts of inflammation within the stomach can cause leaky gut-type symptoms where also the, the hydrochloric pumps are damaged by the high amounts of sugar. So then the parasites can make their way from the stomach into the small intestine and eventually could make their way into your bloodstream. So this causes imbalance in your microflora, the microbiome. And this can lead to furthering leaky gut syndrome. And so when it goes to leaky gut syndrome and you have higher inflammation within the bloodstream, the parasites can travel, but they also can keep their area around the colon or the digestive tract very, very close and hold tight because of the nutrients that pass through your digestive tract, which can lead to further symptomatology or conditions like ulcerative colitis, Crohn's. It could show like diverticulitis as one of the conditions it could contribute to. Chronic ulcers, chronic diarrhea, unexplained blood in the stool. Now, I'm not saying parasites cause these things. I'm saying that it can contribute to them if they're left untreated. So you start to see these serious conditions. And I'm going to throw in there gluten sensitivity, celiacs. I cannot, cannot tell you how many patients I've had with celiac that have come and tested positive for parasites through their parasite testing. Now, this leads to serious conditions. And could it lead to autoimmune or contribute to autoimmune? Well, if parasites are in the blood and blood leads to everywhere, could parasitic infections lead to unexplained heart palpitations or unexplained joint pain in your child? Yes. When we talk about malaria or babesia, babesia is an oftentimes protozoa infection that's related to Lyme disease. And Lyme disease gets into the joints, into the tissues, into the brain. So infections with parasites can cause brain fog. Now, I want to retract. Can it cause it? It can lead to it. It can lead to brain fog. It could contribute to neurological dysfunctions as in slowing down nerve transmission. 
Now, there is a lot of resources out there that say as it slows down the neurological transmission, could parasites contribute also to weakness in the muscles or fasciculations or shaking? Can parasites such as strongyloides be a, a common co-infection of Lyme disease and cause weakness in the legs? Yes, because I had that. So when you see that the parasites are able to transfer, we know that we just have to cut off the food sources and we have to start with cleansing gently with herbals. Yes, you can get out of it. Yes, you can help your body get rid of parasites. So if you start to see these things come together, yes, parasites can be an option. But let's talk about the things that could help. Now, the one thing that I really want to make sure you know is that parasites will rob you of energy. That is their goal, is to take food from you and this is going to lead to chronic fatigue throughout your life with no explanation. No, I don't have Epstein-Barr virus. No, I don't have cytomegalovirus. No, I don't have Lyme disease. Well, then look for this because they rob you of ATP production. So what can I do? You can stop eating sugars or refined sugars or foods that are heavily laden with glucose or any form of sugar. Now, I'm not saying sugar or carbohydrates are bad in themselves. but Sugars, carbs, starches that are refined or simple feed parasites. So the more you eat them, the more they are going to feed. And that's the reason you may crave them is because they live in a quorum in symbiosis with you after a while. And they will make you crave the foods. There is a book which you may not want to read, but uh, you hear how high my voice got on that. It's called Your Brain on Parasites. And it talks about how parasites change the behavior of the host. So if you start to see your child really crave sugar, it could be yeast or candida or parasites. So parasites come into play. We need to knock out the refined sugars. So we're talking about sugar sources such as cow's milk, refined corn starch, corn syrup, high amounts of high fructose corn syrup, there could be any forms within candies or chocolates. High sugar fruits, high sugar vegetables, fruit juices that your child could be drinking that has more than 12 to 15 grams of sugar, sodas or Cokes, white potato, picking up tater tots or french fries daily will give the parasites a common food source. Now, I'm not saying you live in a bubble. But you need to look at anti-inflammatory diets. Anti-inflammatory diets take into account that there are sugars out there that could feed the microbes that are imbalanced in your gut. So we want to knock out these refined sugar sources. Are complex carbs a good option? Yes. Now, if you can find good complex carbs or try to change gently the, the diet of the, of the child or even go into different types of smoothies, or snacks that have lower amounts of sugar, that's the greatest first step you can use. So look at the label. If the label says three grams of sugar, you're thinking it's great, but go to the carbohydrates as well. If the carbohydrates say 12 grams of carbohydrates and three grams of sugar, you think, oh, it's only three grams of sugar. No, combine them. That's 15 grams. That's a very high amount of sugar. So you want to keep it for parasitic infections below at least six to five, five to six grams of sugar. Now, are you going to do this all in one day? No. Your child 
will actually get more and more agitated because the parasites are going to starve. They're going to come out to the bloodstream. They're going to look for food. So you need to do it in increments. Start this diet, even if it's, they have a normal amount of their normal sugar one day, the next day you cut it in half, and then repeat the process to where you get half the amount of sugar week daily. And then go to a quarter. And then eventually train their brain to not want as much sugar. And then add in some of the herbals if you deem well. And ask your primary care doctor or pediatrician for them if this is the right route. Always do that. This is just education. So we start to cut those food sources out. The breads, the baked goods, the candies, those things all contain sugar. Wheat sources, flour sources, corn tortilla chips. The small snacks you get from a health food store that you think is really good for you, but they have high amounts of sugar in them. If you see the amount, they're still feeding the microbes. So cut them out, but do it gently. And we're going to do that. And we want to make sure that as you start to detoxify, look into really good herbals. Now, when it comes to children, I always want to make sure it's done gently. Some herbals have contraindications that they should not be used on children. And I understand that. So look at the contraindications and ask your primary care pediatrician or doctor about this. But three great sources, and I could put them on the show notes. I'm going to write that down right now. Show notes for the laboratories and for the supplements are going to be, I love Supreme Nutrition products. There's a link in the bio in my Instagram. Um, You can go on there and check it out. But black walnut tincture is a really good tincture. They use a nice form of glycerin that's clean, organic, that tastes good to children. Now, if your child has nut allergens, I would not suggest it, of course. Stay away from the nuts. But black walnut tincture at low dosage, even two to three drops in a day, can have big effects on the body, cleanses the parasite. And as you add the herbs in, remember, they have a residual strengthening effect. They strengthen the chi. They will combine and accumulate in the blood, and the actual terpenes and the actual components of the plant source will actually go into the bloodstream and stay and kill off the infection. So black walnut at a low dosage is really a good cleanser for parasites in children and adults. I love Vidanga, V-I-D-A-N-G-A, Vidanga Supreme. It's a pill form. But if you could find a liquid form, that's great. But Vidanga is an Ayurvedic herb that has been used for centuries to help with parasites. It cleans them out. And I always say start slow and steady. Do not go and take all the full recommended dosage and because it'll kill off infections heavily, especially within yourself or children. But I always say start with a small dose, maybe half a capsule every other day or half a capsule every two days. And then you'll start to see that they start to cleanse. And maybe they do release certain types of parasites in their, in their bowel movements. But the attitude and the mood and all the signs and symptoms on the face that I talked about will start to fade. Their constipation will start to go away. Now, I also like Artemisia. Artemisia is known as Sweet Annie. It's a common anti-parasitic, and it's great. And they also have tinctures for this. Slow dosages, if you're doing tinctures, just start with a drop or two a day. Or even half capsule every other day, like we talked about, Vidanga. Remember, this is just education. This is not personal medical advice. Now, I also see that, um, not Macuna, Mimosa, write that down, Mimosa pudica is a really great herb that acts as like a sludge Velcro that goes in and cleans the walls of your intestines. It works as a Velcro that will go in and cleanse the actual walls of the intestines. So you'll see that this is occurring 
as an astringent in your colon. So if you take mimosa, you'll see these big old mucus plugs come out. And you think, are those worms? I've seen the mucus plugs encapsulate worms, but they say it's the congealing of mimosa that's actually cleaning out the gut and can contain the, the parasites themselves or the eggs. So this is a really good cleanser, but you don't want to take too much to where it constipates you. So please look at these herbals. And remember, follow and check out anti-inflammatory diet or anti-parasitic diet. And I want you guys to take these small signs and symptoms and just look at them and see them as an opportunity to know, hey, now I can go get testing. The common testing is GI map testing. And GI map testing takes a stool sample. Now, there's different labs. I believe Genova Diagnostics does lab testing for stool samples. And ParasiteTesting.com does as well. I'm also going to um, put another uh, link in the bio for a company that's up north that does really good testing from what I've seen in the show notes to let you investigate. So know that that will be in the show notes. I'm going to make sure that I find the best that I can for you, but don't give up hope. If you do one parasite testing, you may have to do a couple to see if you find different strands or species. Guys, um, remember GI map testing. There will be some show notes with labs you can try. Um, just research parasite stool testing and find labs that, uh, that are available to you and see if you have to do this for your child or even yourself. Please don't be discouraged from this, guys. I just want you to know that we want to explain the low energy and these common signs and symptoms in your children so that they can change their mood. They can change behavior. You can see ADHD, ADD, OCD. Those kind of behaviors can be influenced by the gut. So we want to see those be influenced if they do have parasites. So let's help our children. Guys, I hope this podcast was informative and not negative, but I really wanted to get this information out there. Hope you have a blessed day from all of us here at the Ancient Health Institute. Have a great day. I'm Dr. Motley. Dr. Axe and Courtney give you their best, and we'll talk soon. Hey, Dr. Axe here. I want to say thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to like and subscribe to the show so you don't miss a thing. Also, if you're in search of more natural health content, you can follow us at Health Institute on Instagram or subscribe to our newsletter using the link in the show notes below. Hey, thanks a lot and have a blessed week.